Welcome to the pen and the yod. This week's Torah portion is Bahukotai. Rabbi Michael Siegel of Anshayamit Synagogue in Chicago sits down with author Jonathan Eig and talks about truth or consequences. This week, it's blessings and curses, Bahukotai. Always fun. Very exciting. Well, it's very Jewish. Yeah, right. Well, the Jews like to talk about the cursing, the curses more than the blessings, I think. Is that is that too cynical to say? Uh, to a certain extent it is. I think that... <laughs> Maybe it's a, the journalists who are just always being so negative like me. Well, it's the pragmatist in us, I think, also. In the Jewish, amongst the Jewish people, knowing your own history, that kind of brings that out. But the focus uh, in Bechukotai revolves around a single word, im, if. If you follow my laws and faithfully observe my commandments, I will grant you rains in your season, etc. So the blessings will follow if you follow the Torah. But if you choose not to, then the punishment will also affect the earth. The rains will stop and you will starve and eventually your enemies will overtake you, etc. And you'll be displaced from your own land. I want to build on our conversation from last week, this notion of the Jubilee year and why this is sort of a perfect follow-up. Because you say to yourself in the Jubilee year, well, what if I don't want to return the land? What if I don't want to forgive debts as the Torah commands me? What is God going to do to me? Right? Really? And here's the answer. It's going to affect you in the world itself. The world's going to turn against you. My creation will turn against you. And here, this is a concept within the Torah that really repeats itself, that our own human morality ultimately affects the world. You see this in the flood story, right? And it continues on. So global warming is uh, just the accumulation of all our sins then, I guess. I mean, that sounds pretty clear. I think that it makes sense from the Torah's perspective. If you think about the sources of global warming and how it ties into the human condition. That is to say that we like plastic. It's cheap, it's useful, and it just makes it convenient for us. Why do I have to worry about the next generation? Bags, plastic bags, etc. You know, there are whole islands, countries that are floating, countries of garbage, continents of garbage that are floating in the ocean right now. And it's affecting the world. So the very attitude that's so much a part of Bahar, last week's portion, comes to roost one way or another. Yeah, so there's an organic explanation for it, no pun intended, that we neglected the earth, we didn't act as good stewards, and as a result, we have global warming. Um, and you can take it one step further and say, we sinned, we disobeyed God, we acted um, selfishly and self-righteously and without concern for our neighbors, and as a result those neighbors now are being flooded out of their homes and God punished us. I think that the question that the Torah is asking isn't, it may be contextualized in the idea that this is God's doing, but the ultimate responsibility for it is yours. It's mine. And so that's a kind of a convenient ploy that we use in the modern age. Right. Oh, oh, okay. So you think that this is all about God and God's going to punish us. And then we kind of push that argument to the ridiculous, so I can discard it. Mm -hmm. I don't think that's what the Torah is really saying at all. 
yes, it's a different universe, it's a different perspective, but the lessons of the Torah are eternal. The Torah ties morality to the condition of the earth. Which is also sometimes what gets us in trouble because you find people saying things like, well, AIDS was a punishment for homosexuality. And people can use this to argue God's will when it suits their agenda. That's right. And that's what I meant when I said we push it to the ridiculous or, in that case, the dangerous. Abraham Joshua Heschel once said that in the same way that childhood is wasted on children, sometimes religion is wasted on human beings. <laughs> and so that's true. But that doesn't really free us from seeing the essence of the lesson and seeing how it's being played out in our own world. There are innumerable studies that proclaim that we are really at the end of our time clock. You know, there's, we know that there is the clock that is the nuclear clock that is uh, talking about how close we are to destruction. It's now two minutes according to that time clock to the destruction of the world. At one point it was 17 minutes to midnight. They now include within that framework not just nuclear power and, and atomic energy, but they also include global issues. We're sitting on a time clock. We're, we're waiting and we're seeing weather patterns changing. And we're also seeing people argue against it, right? Right, because my constituents are not going to reelect me to the Senate if I vote uh, in support of global warming. So uh, I'm only concerned with being reelected to the Senate. Right, I want to come back to Noah. I mean, can, what, what was it like for Noah building this ark? Certainly somebody, even though it's not recorded in the Torah, somebody must have said, what are you doing? He said, well, the flood's coming. I'm preparing for the flood. This is what we have to do. And one can only imagine how people treated him at that moment in time. The Midrash, the rabbis, of course, have a field day with this. And they have all kinds of Midrashim where he's being poked at and made fun of and all the rest. Well, in a way, are the, are the people warning us about the uh, ill effects of our policies on the world? Are they the Noahs of our time? And we don't want to give it up. Right. It's easy to just think about yourself and to figure, well, global warming, even if it's coming really soon, I'll, I won't be around to see it. Or at least I'm, you know, here in the Midwest, we're safe for another few years. Um, everybody can justify it in their minds. Mm -hmm. And that comes back to the point of the Torah, I guess. And that is that um, it's not about you. <laughs> and so if it's not about me, it's about the community. Right. And if it's not about me, it's also about the earth. There's a larger responsibility here. And, you know, I'm going to go back to your, to your comment about AIDS and how some use that as an issue to denigrate the LGBTQ community. Human beings are capable of doing just about anything. But this notion that you have a responsibility to a higher power and that responsibility also brings us together and that responsibility applies to the world, is largely lost in an individualistic society where I can basically tune out. I can go into my own universe in a way that people haven't been able to do throughout human history. And that's part of the danger. Well, and I think that's we're getting into a, a really bigger, and not bigger, but really big and um, 
important issue here, and that is that we are a less religious society than we used to be. People do not worship as often as they used to. People do not belong to churches and synagogues as much as they used to in this country and in many major Western countries. And as a result of that, maybe we've lost some of those shared values. Um, you can go on and blame it on every, everything else from Facebook to television and, and how we've become more self-centered. But I think a big part of that is that when you lose this sense of religious community, something that binds you to something bigger than yourself and to genuinely praying to God, you become more selfish and less invested in world beyond your own. Well, if you think about what happens in a service, it almost happens nowhere else. That's right. If I go to watch a, a assuming that I'm actually going to leave my television set and actually go to a movie theater to watch a film. I have the experience of watching the film with whoever else is in the movie theater, but it's almost unthinkable that I'm going to talk to anyone on the way out or have a conversation with the person sitting next to me about it unless I came with them. That's saying something about our society. It's the Putnam view of bowling alone right. and the effects of it. But what the Torah is saying is there's a warning here. The warning is it's not just about you. It's about how this kind of thinking emanates into the larger society. And in our political realm, we have people who are trumpeting the beauty and the wonder and the glory of capitalism and individualism. And therefore, anything that has to do with a regulation is un-American. Other people are raising the red flag and they're saying, warning, warning, this is, this is the end of the world. Don't you see what's happening? And we're watching these weather patterns. And the heart of it is whether or not I am willing to inconvenience myself. I'm willing to do with less. I'm willing to walk more. I'm willing to get a different kind of car. I'm willing to move away from fossil fuels. Am I really willing to do that? That's the question. Yeah, and the problem is that we are so isolated and we are not organized in a way that we think is a community that it becomes very difficult to fight these things. You know, I think that we're going to look back at this time in our in our history and say, how did we let social media, how did we let our phones take over our lives and destroy our brain cells and destroy our sense of community? And what could be the antidote to that? Religion. It could be. It's one of the few institutions that might have the strength to help us fight back against that. Maybe I sound naive, um, but... Not to me. Not to you, but <laughs> that's why I could say it here. If I said it outside on the bus or in a movie theater, I'd be, I'd be laughed at. But what else could possibly fight back against this power that has turned us into such a, a selfish bunch of people that we can allow, the, as we said earlier, the global warming to take over the planet and feel like there's nothing we can do about it? Here's something for a larger discussion, but a good place to stop and a question to be asked. Most religious groups today focus on social justice as a way of being relevant and speak about spirituality as opposed to religion. Spirituality is, into my mind at least, something that emanates from me. It's religion on my terms. And as a result of that, it may very well be that it will also be bereft of responsibilities beyond myself or a responsibility to the larger society and or the responsibility to engage in that society. I'm not saying that the present structure of synagogues and churches and mosques is that it will sustain us going forward, but I will say that the concept of community 
is going to be vital for our future in this society. Yeah, and we've never needed it more. And I think that if I were designing a marketing campaign for synagogues, uh, for religious institutions all over the world, I would say market yourself as the antidote to social media. Well, I'm going to write your recommendation for rabbinical school. (laughs) Thanks so much. 